Welcome to the CEC Report for the 13th of September 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is CEC Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, bankers' toilet paper, AFR, flips out at effective opposition to cash ban and cover-up of Saudi role in 9-11 crumbling. So firstly today, Bankers Toilet Paper, AFR, that's the Australian Financial Review, of course. And flips, it is the Bankers Toilet Paper. Flips out at effective opposition to cash ban. So this is about us and our campaign against the restrictions on the use of cash bill 2019. And of course, regular viewers will know that we've been fighting this very intensively. Uh, you've just come back from Canberra this week, Robert, which we'll get yep. a brief report very soon on. Uh, but basically the latest is that that bill has not yet been tabled. So maybe they're scrambling around with last minute changes to get um, everyone's go ahead on it. Uh, we don't know that, but also we do know that when it's raised, lots of members of parliament are telling us that they will send it straight into committee to be yep. the subject of an inquiry. So the point is though, we've hit a raw nerve with Have coverage out ever. today in the Australian Financial Review. Um, I, I think it's very clear that the bankers, which of course the AFR is known to represent that establishment within Australia and speak for them, uh, are very, very worried because major press, including the ABC, including the Australian newspaper and uh, when you were on TGB the other day, uh, are starting to cover this and they're doing serious and very good coverage of it. Yep. Um, so just to give you a sense of the article, I'll quote a bit from the introduction. Of course, it's headlined, Cash Ban Brings Out the Conspiracy Theorists by Aaron Patrick. And after a brief introduction about what this cash transaction ban is, he says this, but the most aggressive resistance and possibly the most effective has come from a notorious far-right political party, the Citizens Electoral Council of Australia, which has worked with a high-profile property pundit and an obscure economist to promote the idea that the anti-money laundering measure is a profit and power grab by banks. And then it goes on to say the campaign doesn't look likely to succeed, uh, for us to stop the bill, that is. The Labor opposition says that it will probably support the law which includes two-year jail penalties. With Labor support, it would sail through the Senate. But the policy has become a useful attention-grabbing tool for activists on the fringes of public life to promote extreme theories to eager audiences in the unregulated world of social media. And so, of course, just to explain, um, they're referring with the uh, high-profile property pundit there to... Martin North from um, Digital Finance Analytics and uh, the so-called obscure economist is of course former coalition advisor and economist John Adams. Mm. And none of it's true. <laughs> so look, this is... Apart from the fact that we're in effective opposition to this bill, which has drawn out the that, reality. No, absolutely. That's that's the part that, that you can see they are freaked. But Exhibit A, Your Honour, this is today's kitty litter. The, the toilet paper the bankers use. This is the the AFR exists to, to wipe away the crap of bankers, right? And I tell you what, I'm reading this at the moment, Banking Bad by Adele Ferguson. This is a story of the lead up to the Royal Commission. Um, the role of the media in attacking, and especially the AFR, in attacking anyone who took on the banks was 
incredible, right? They, are, they, 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 they set out to intimidate and attack even their fellow journalists to protect the banks. That is what the AFR is. So don't be fooled by anything that they're trying to say here. Um, it's nothing but that. The reason they're doing this is hilarious. The reaction to the cash ban campaign is so big and so uncontrollable, right? And it cannot be just a trip. I mean, we've mm. played a very important role. Uh, you know, John Adams is not an obscure economist. He's mm. actually very well known and very prominent. Um, Martin North is a well-known property pundit, but he's gone. You know, this is not his his his, his main area of expertise. He he's a normal human being who believes in civil liberties and etc. Right, and that's that's he stated clearly that's his position on this. But it's the public that's responded because. You know, we're now after the Royal Commission. The banks have been shown to be a pack of criminals. And what is the government and the opposition, frankly, what have they done except do more and more and more to benefit the banks, right? And so they are, they are covering up everything um, that the banks do. They're not holding into account. No one's being held accountable for that. And then they come up with a policy like this that for all, got lots of overtones of different things, but including the fact that Everyone gets trapped inside banks with this policy and banks get a cut of everything people do. They get to monitor everything that people do. As we put out in the press release this week, the, the, the man who recommended this cash ban, KPMG boss, said we have to push people out of cash and into banks so we can monitor and measure their activities, right? And that's good for financial surveillance. It's good for the banks to be able to find more ways to, to manipulate money out of us, right? That's, that's what this is and people are reacting to it. It's a bridge too far, right? They've, they've gone too far. The response around the country is enormous. So when they see this, when the, when the establishment is seeing this, mass, this is the biggest mob yet, the biggest peasants uprising yet, if you will, coming to storm the castle over mm. this, right? What they're doing, they, they can't stop that. What they're trying to do is intimidate the people inside the castle who might be swayed by that. Mm. So politicians journalists, etc., and politicians, some will, because they're gutless, pathetic wimps. They're the same people who have allowed the banks to get away. They will do that. But that's where don't you, the viewer, don't be fooled. Keep the heat on these mm. guys, because it's working. If the AFR is devoting a whole page yep. to us, right, it's absolutely working, and that's what's and crucial. Of course, we generated, or our campaign broadly, everyone that was involved generated over 4,000 submissions to the Australian Treasury, which are used to getting 30-odd submissions. And this article points to the fact that they are, as we have stated, covering that up. They're censoring those submissions. It pointed out in the article that the Treasury Department has decided to withhold selective submissions from publication, saying that some of them were abusive. Um. That's all that, that this, the AFR is helping them <clears throat> construct an excuse to censor those submissions, mm. right? That's the bottom line here. And this is, uh, another, I'll just refer to our submission because I didn't, in, in, when we did the CEC submission, we didn't even try and argue the case because we knew plenty of other people had put in really good submissions arguing the case against the cash ban. We just made the point, you, Treasury, are captured by the banks. You're in league with the banks. You've let them. You have. You rigged the Royal Commission. You're a pack of. You are aiders and abettors of criminality. That's what you are, and you're doing it again. That was the whole essence of our submission. If they want to call that abusive, mm. um, well, all that proves to me is it, it, it is it hit home. But these are that. There's nothing that couldn't that deserves to be censored over that. They don't want. Mm. They're trying to contain this. But like I said, they're trying to stop politicians and, and other media. They're deliberately trying to intimidate other media. Well, I want, can I just quote Aaron Patrick? Sorry, mm. Elisa. Um, when Aaron Patrick put, we'll put it on the screen, when he put it up on Twitter, um, they, they announced this article this morning. 
he he's posed it was will why did the ABC run this report from a far right organisation that believes in a Jewish global banking conspiracy, right? And he's trying to intimidate his fellow journalists, mm -hmm. right? Journalists are getting raided in Australia now, so the government can intimidate them, and the Financial Review to protect the banks is also trying to intimidate them. And, and I, just for the record, the CEC has nothing to do with Jewish banking conspiracy theories, and, and p people attack us on YouTube for the fact we don't talk about Jewish banking conspiracy yeah. We don't believe in Jewish banking conspiracy theories. And when he asked me that question, this guy refused to, to I said, keep call, I kept saying, call me. He refused to call me. When he asked me the question, he asked two separate questions. Are you anti-Semitic? And I said, no. And I suspect you know that. And then he said, do you believe in a global banking conspiracy? Nothing mm -hmm. about Jewish. And I answered that in a certain way. And um, uh, if, if he had said Jewish, I would have smashed him for saying that. Right, but he deliberately did not, and then he puts it in this as as that. So there's a deliberate lie. The guy is a dishonest journo, but um, you got to look at what they're motivated by, and they're the ones that are freaked at the scale of what we're doing. Yeah, and uh, whilst the article says that there's no chance of our campaign working, would they be putting this out Absolutely if that not. were the case? And you got that reading look, in Canberra. Look, right? oh, this was an excellent week in Canberra, um, and I can't guarantee we're going to win this. But I'll tell you what, we've never been in this position before with any of the campaigns we've been running. Um, uh, politicians, not, especially on the backbench, they're getting lots of calls from their constituents, but they agree with them anyway. They agree with, they don't like the idea of privacy being taken away from people completely. And they, they, and they once we show them the evidence of things like, look, Australia doesn't have a serious black economy problem. We have the 10th smallest in the world. And our black economy has halved in the last 20 years, 25 years, right? It's, it's actually halved without any of these kind of measures. Mm then these, these, these politicians realise that's a fake excuse and they're, they're willing to look at the ulterior motive, which is trapping people in banks so that we can't escape policies like bail-in, negative interest rates and just the general control factor they have, mm. the establishment can have over us. The, bank, the private banks get to control the money system with this kind of policy. Yep. Now we have to take a quick break, but we'll be talking about the financial backdrop globally to this right after this quick break. Welcome back to the CEC Report where we're discussing the AFR's freak out over our effective campaign to stop this cash transaction ban. Yeah, Elisa, before you go on, um, on this, in the AF, actual AFR article here, there's the article attacking us. Now remember, we're saying that the stated reason for the cash ban is not true, right? It's an ulterior motive, including trapping people in banks so they can't escape these extreme policies like negative interest rates, etc. Well, on the matching page of the AFR, what does it say? RBA reveals contingency plans. And that article is all about how the RBA is preparing for quantitative easing and is even um, fully prepared if it has to go to negative interest rates. It's right there in the paper. Yeah, exactly. And this has become a big point of discussion globally, which we want to talk about briefly because um, Trump, President Trump in the United States has called for continued rate cuts even going into the negative domain. Former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan has said it's only a matter of time before the US goes to negative rates. And Jamie Dimon, the head of JP Morgan, has stated that uh, they, the bank JP Morgan, is preparing for negative rates in the United States, even if he thinks it unlikely. And I want to put a chart on the screen that we were using in Canberra this week that shows all the major interest rates of all the major developed countries and negative to positive. And mm -hmm. the United States has the highest interest rate Right, cash rate for its federal for its reserve bank, central bank, 
So if it goes negative, we will have had to go negative first, hmm. right? And that's the point. It is coming. And of course, in Europe, um, the 10-year uh, German Bund, which is an iconic kind of standard for the world, which was about negative 0.4% interest rate in late July, has now reached negative 0.9% interest rate. But Mario Draghi, in his last phase in the European Central Bank, has said that he's, he's announced he'll cut, he has cut interest rates again and will buy up bonds in quantitative easing programs as long as it takes to save the system. But of course, it's that policy which has created a crisis. And Hugh Van Steenis, writing in the 3rd September Financial Times address this, he's a former advisor to Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England. He said, like steroids, unconventional monetary policy can be highly effective in small dosages. But just as long-term usage of steroids weakens bones, so below zero interest rates can weaken the financial system. And this was addressed... It doesn't just weaken bones, it shrinks testicles. Ask, <laughs> ask Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and sorry, but that is the... This is sick. This is a good analogy, and I had to make that point. But that's well, what they're doing to the functioning of an economy. Exactly the same theme was taken up by Donald Amstad from Aberdeen Standard Investments. Uh, and the entire 18-minute video is worth watching because he very effectively runs through, which we've been saying all along, that the policy response, the so-called solution to the last global financial crisis from 2008, which was the quantitative easing, monetary pumping and so forth, which they're now proposing even more extreme versions of, that has caused the current crisis. And he goes through how um, developing countries have dealt with the situation much better than the West. So he talks about how the West is on the verge of the precipice of blowing out the whole system, including a bond bubble, which is a so-called risk-free asset class bubble, unlike stock markets and Y2Ks and um, mortgage bubbles that we've seen blow in the past. So we'll just play this uh, clip of him uh, speaking about the consequences of that. To me, it's very, very worrying. And I am, I am very worried about the West. I think it's verging on catastrophe. And what is interesting, of course, is the markets are just beginning to wake up to this. And of course, you're beginning to see this rise in volatility. I mean, we're sitting here in the middle of August. It's really only in the last couple of weeks or so that we're beginning to see this rise in market volatility. And, um, you know, if you think about what Western central banks have done over the last decade since the global financial crisis, is they've been playing whack-a-mole with volatility. Every time volatility has spiked up, they've managed to hit it on the head by some combination of cutting interest rates and or printing money. And my worry, basically, is this. It is that if we have another spike up in volatility, can the banks still pay whack-a-mole? And I, and I worry that they can't because I think we're at the end of the game because if they do come out with another bout of QE, then banks are going to go bust. Pension funds are going to go bust. Insurance companies are going to go bust. And if it pushes the stock market back up again, then the 99.9% are probably not going to tolerate more handouts to the 0.1%. So you, that leads to social and political instability. And so maybe we are at the point where 
the West finally has to take its medicine. And then we really are on the top of the roller coaster looking down. Um, and it's probably better to put a blindfold on. Now, Lisa, that is, that is really stark coming from someone like him who's such a massive investment manager. But notice how he talks about the West, mm. right? Because the point he's making is pretty much all the West coordinated what they did through the central banks, mm. right? And that is what they did. They coordinated it. Well, that's what you call a global banking conspiracy, just so you know. They coordinated what they're going to do. And collusion. It's a collusion, and it's an absolute disaster what they've done. And because it's getting because, – because, because it just works short term and then the problems start again, they have to resort to more and more extreme policies like bail-in, like cash bans to trap us into bail-in and negative mm. interest rates, etc., and they, they're just going to keep doing that until we stop them. Yeah, and if you look at Europe as the model for the confiscation of funds, otherwise known as bail-in in a financial crash, um, the moves they're making at the moment show you what's coming up. And uh, they've just adopted the European authorities over there a new what's called moratorium tool. And this is implemented uh, when a bank is considered to be failing or likely to fail, and it's put into what's known as resolution. That means that some of the... Uh, bonds, bail-in bonds, hybrid bonds and deposits that are not guaranteed are taken to recapitalise the bank. Now what this moratorium tool would do is when a bank is going into resolution, all deposits would be frozen for two days and that includes the guaranteed deposits that you're supposed to have access to, that the government guarantees. And this was put forward in a proposal back in 2017 uh, in which it was admitted that that two-day freeze could be a rolling phenomenon, even though they said it would only happen in exceptional or extraordinary circumstances in a crisis. Basically, what, what they've had to acknowledge is, because they've made bail in a law, everyone now knows it's real. People in Spain and Italy and those places that have experienced knows it's real. So they're on the lookout for the first bank that might get into tr get start being um, mm. troubled, right? And the customers go, I'm getting my money out. Yeah. And and so now they've got to preempt that by having a policy that can just freeze all money, etc. And that's what this is their, their law in Europe. Yeah. And we're conspiracy theorists for saying that our government is passing a law to trap people in banks here. Mm. Give me a break. So if they can already freeze guaranteed deposits, what's next? It's a slippery slope and it's yeah. getting worse. But you can read more about the details in the latest Australian Alert Service. There's a couple of crucial articles in there for more detail on that. So if People you... could call in and get a free copy of that if they haven't had one yet. Yep, and we'll be right back to discuss the 9-11 breakout. Welcome back to the CEC Report. We're now discussing cover-up of Saudi role in 9-11 crumbling. And we've um, exposed this story uh, for 18 years now, which is very important. That is the Saudi role behind 9-11. It was the anniversary two days ago. That's right. And, um, I mean, that 9-11 represented a turning point in everything we're facing and fighting today, really. I mean, the advent of the surveillance state where people accepted that they had to be mm. spied upon um, the regime change wars that have occurred across the world to hunt down the terrorists, but of course they've never targeted the real authors of it as we've exposed uh, in a magazine that we put out in the past um, revealing the 28 pages that were hidden and censored from the commission reports that came out. Yeah, a 2002 congressional report, 28 pages that related to the funding of 9-11 were redacted, mm. 
And we, we ran, were very instrumental in the international campaign to get those finally released in 2016. And what did they show? They showed that financial, direct financial support from mm. top Saudis, including Saudi royals. So there were two particular Saudi nationals who were um, providing all the capabilities and assisting the hijackers in making their plans. This is in San Diego. They yeah. Were, they were two Saudi intelligence agents That's helping the two guys who were identified as, as hijacker pilots mm. from San Diego. But there's a third Saudi official, and the Florida Bulldog has been pursuing freedom of information to... That's, that's the name of a newspaper, for the record. That's right. The Florida Bulldog. And so they've been trying to get access to the details of who this third higher-level Saudi official was who was tasking these two lower-level agents to help the hijackers. Uh, and the Attorney-General of the United States, William Barr, yesterday had to make a decision on whether to release the name of this higher-level Saudi authority, uh, which would break open the whole case. Mm. Now, he has released the name, but only on a limited condition, and that is to the lawyers of the families who are seeking justice in this case. So it can be used in the court proceedings, not publicly. Though, as, as our source said, he doesn't know how that can be controlled. Once the name is public, it'll, it'll leak out. Yeah, it is actually a major break in getting access to some of the inside information, which is obviously known about how this went on. Um, because at the very least, for this to have occurred, given the security of everything concerned, uh, eyes would have, been, would have had to have been averted from certain security breaches and evidence that had been put forward. And the former NSA uh, agent, William Binney, who worked in those circles at the time, uh, had said that eyes were averted deliberately, mm. basically, uh, because he'd had a program which he swears would have detected that activity, but it was shut down just weeks before 9-11 occurred. Yep. Well, and Elisa, dare I say it, let me use my favourite term in today's show, um, this is another conspiracy, and it's a real one, right? The role of the... You know, something like 9-11 doesn't happen without people conspiring to make it happen. And then, once it happened, there was another conspiracy already in play, ready to go, to turn that into the invasion of Iraq and mm. 20 years of regime change bloodshed, right? And the main guy, mm. well, what, there, was, there was a lot of main guys around, Dick Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, etc. None of them are, are in the picture much anymore. They're not that prominent. One guy was, John Bolton, John... Um, Donald Trump's national security advisor. He is now gone. Mm. Right? And this is very good news. It is very good news. Um, and it's worth noting on this mm -hmm. anniversary of 9 11 because of what's involved. He's gone and more information's coming out, out about 9 11. Because what's the issue with the Saudis? It's not just because they're Saudis and, and, and extremist Muslims, etc. This is the regime that is protected by the British and American establishment, and specifically the British royal family as much as anything. The, the British royal family's relationship with the Saudi royal family has allowed this, this, this protection to go on. And so while they had the most definable role in 9-11, we, we went into Afghanistan, we went into Iraq, right, and, and you know, um, uh, caused all the trouble that we did, right? So um, we're finally seeing all these years later, 18 years later, some, some justice, some truth start to come out, and that's a good thing, and we will stay on top of this story so mm. that um, you know, none of it gets swept under the carpet. Yeah, because there's more, much, much more yet to be exposed, but I think the key is 
Um, this kind of terrorism is aimed at terrifying the population so that you will accept the kinds of things that are proposed, controls upon the population. So you lose your civil liberties in every area, including, dare I say it, financial privacy. You know, it's all, it's all related. There's, that's been the big change in 20 years and we have to fight to get our rights back yep. and get our freedoms back. So keep the heat on your Member of Parliament on this cash ban. We can win and see you again next week. Thank you.